Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show. In this episode, we're sharing the recording of our August 2023 community meetup session, in which Peter shares the six goals of a facilitator and how to reliably achieve them in all your meetings. We host these free live community sessions on the third Thursday of every month. If you want to attend future sessions where you can participate in the live chat and Q&A, sign up at humanizingwork.com meetup. Now on to the session. And uh, I'm going to start off by uh, sharing an experience that I had last fall. Um, This is the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and this is a famous part of the South Kaibab Trail called Ooh-Ah Point, because if you go to that point of the South Kaibab Trail at um, sunrise, you are guaranteed to say Ooh-Ah, because it is so beautiful. Now... I happened to hit Ooh-Ah Point at about 2.15 a.m., and so it looked like that when I got there, because I was uh, doing a pretty crazy thing, which was I was going to run across the Grand Canyon and then back in a day. That was my goal. And uh, it is a beautiful and challenging, of course, but beautiful um, experience to do this, to be down in the canyon. And uh, I took a little bit of video um, while I was in the canyon. So if you have like uh, fear of heights, look away for a moment. But this is from the actual hike here. Um, it's obviously in the daylight. This was coming back down the north rim. And it's just stunning inside the canyon. And uh, then I finished about 15 hours later. And I share all this because as we've thought about what great facilitators do, we realized there were some shapes and experiences related to going through the Grand Canyon that uh, were good kind of metaphors for what we do as facilitators. Um, So I'm going to share those six goals, the six goals of a great facilitator, uh, and kind of connect the dots back to some of the experiences that I had in the Grand Canyon doing that. Um, So the six goals that we have, there are going to be three that are related to um, um, the, the meeting itself, we'll say. Now, we're not always facilitating a meeting. It might be a conversation. It might be a workshop. You might call it a different thing. But for now, we'll, we'll call it the meeting. We'll refer to it in the meeting today. So we'll have three goals that great facilitators have related to the meeting itself and three about the people involved. All right, so here's my Grand Canyon metaphor. Um, we, were li- we were thinking about the shape of a meeting, and how often at the beginning of a meeting, it feels pretty fast, like you're running downhill. And then as you get into the middle of it, it feels like a slog, like you were just climbing and climbing forever. And then sometimes there's a false, oh, I think we solved it. And then boom, you're back in the slog again. You realize, oh, maybe not. Um, and so we're going to use kind of this visual to think about uh, the three goals that are related to the meeting itself. All right. Um, so the first goal Uh, is related to how we start the meeting and kind of what we do to prepare well. Uh, The second one is about how we shape the meeting itself. Uh, And then the third one is kind of where we land at the end. Um, The three related to the people, you have one about the facilitator. Who am I as a facilitator? One about uh, what are the participants experiencing as I facilitate? And then the sixth goal is collectively as a group, what do we have? Um, 
And as we get into this, I'm going to drop a chat in the question. Good. It'll be interesting to see uh, where these show up amongst those six goals. I can see a lot of connections between what you've experienced and the six goals we're going to share today. So this will be fun. So let's dig into the three that are related to the meeting itself first. So goal number one is about making it clear, as several of you stated in the chat, why are we even here today? Uh, why are we having a meeting? Why will only a meeting be able to accomplish this? Um, and then not only why we're there, but what steps we'll take um, to get there. And in uh, facilitation terminology, this is often referred to as framing the meeting, kind of putting a frame around it, saying, here's why we're here, here are the high-level steps. And good framing includes both of those parts. It includes the why, this is the objective, this is the outcome we're going for, and at least at a high level, the how. This is kind of a preview. Now, I'm gonna draw an analogy to the canyon a little bit here. Um, I had a pretty clear goal, and I'd mapped out the steps I would need to achieve, uh, achieve uh, excuse me, I would need to take to achieve that goal. So, of course, training for the Grand Canyon involves a ton of preparation, um, and that's often true of a, of a meeting as well. Um, good facilitators will spend time ahead of a meeting uh, to get clear on the purpose and then plan what steps need to be taken uh, to achieve that purpose. So doing the preparation is important, um, but it's also important to start the meeting that way. So you've done your prep, but first thing in the meeting is why are we here and then how are we going to get there? Um, I even did this in the Grand Canyon. I mentioned I started at 2 a.m. And, and I remember as I stood on the trailhead that morning before I just launched in, because I was raring to go, as you can imagine. Before I launched in, I paused for just a moment and I reflected and said, what, what is my goal here? Why am I doing this? Um, and just remembered my why. I'm here to challenge myself. I'm here to finish the run safely. And I'm here to be fully present in what to me is a really sacred space. And then I pulled out my card, which is my how. I'll, I'll give you a little uh, view. My how is a little more detailed than we might see for a typical meeting plan. My how looked like that. Uh, that was the laminated card I had in my running bag um, that had every checkpoint, how long I thought it would take me to get there, how many calories I should be consuming. Right? It was a very detailed plan. Um, so that's probably more detailed than we usually need when we're planning for a meeting, but maybe not. The stakes were pretty high for me personally in that. I wanted to be safe and I wanted to finish strong. And so I have been in meetings where the stakes were pretty high. And uh, occasionally I felt like it was worth it to put in the time to, put, to prepare in a lot of detail. Not just here's what we will do, but here's what I hope we'll do. And here's what I might do if things don't go that way. <laughs> If I get a, uh, uh, some unexpected things thrown at me, here's what I might need to do. So that's the first goal of great facilitators is do the right level of preparation so that when the meeting starts as a facilitator, we can frame it effectively. And that creates purpose, a sense of purpose, why we're here, and confidence for the participants that, hey, we're going to be able to reach it. All right, goal number one is to get clear on the why and the how. Goal number two is to intentionally shape the meeting. Um, and at a high level, good collaborative meetings tend to pass through three basic phases. Um, so the first phase, uh, as we're shaping the meeting, is what we call a divergent phase. So as we're diverging here, we're generating multiple options, we're sharing different perspectives, we're getting data 
collective data into a shared space. It could be objective data. Here's what has happened. We often do this in a retrospective. Just what's the data that we have from the last sprint? Um, kind of the current state of things. Uh, it could include reflective data, which is how are people feeling as they reflect on uh, whatever the, the purpose of the meeting is, or how are you feeling today, right now? And I've often thought that if there are not multiple perspectives on a meeting topic, then you probably don't need a meeting. It probably could have been an email, probably could have been a Slack conversation. It probably could have been a video that somebody recorded and just sent out. Uh, but if there are multiple perspectives on a topic, then this should be the first step is to say, let's get all of that in there. And uh, so if there are multiple perspectives, then if, as a facilitator, we're going to use a variety of tools and activities to get as much relevant information into the meeting space as possible. Then with all of the data in the room, we can move on to the next shape, part of this shape, which is we're kind of exploring. Um, and exploring is where, as a group, we're trying to make collective sense of what all the data means. Um, so we're trying to align around meaning, interpretation, um, various options for what to do with the information. And so, as I mentioned earlier, while the divergent step, when we're brainstorming, when we're getting a bunch of data out, often feels fast and energetic, like a good downhill trail run. Uh, once we hit into the explore phase, it often feels like, uh-oh, <laughs> we are going uphill now because now we're hitting the hard part of collaboration. We're tackling data that may seem like it's in conflict, uh, perspectives that are not currently aligned, and we're tackling those head on. And so sometimes during this explore stage, we hit a, a feeling in the room virtual or otherwise, that uh, has been referred to as the groan zone, the groan zone. And uh, the groan zone is where you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, we're revisiting this, uh, the positions are getting more dug in, and it just feels like we're never going to get out of it. Uh, definite um, analogies there to the canyon. There's a part, anybody ever hiked the Grand Canyon on the car before, on the call? There's a part on the, the the climb out of it where, you know, you're kind of like starting to ascend and then you hit a section of the trail that is referred to by hikers as the devil's corkscrew because you suddenly hit this really steep portion and you're just switching back and switching back and it feels like it's going to go on forever. And um, the the devil's corkscrew is like the groan zone of, of hiking. Like, is this thing ever going to end? And then you finally get to the top of that, and now you, you have a, a pretty nice path uh, up to what's called the Havasupai Garden. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you get out of it. But in the middle of the corkscrew, it just looks like, I think these switchbacks go on forever. Uh, and that happens in this part of a meeting frequently. So when we hit this section of a meeting, uh, it's important for, for facilitators to know that, hey, this is part of it. And one of my favorite uh, tricks is just to name it in that moment. If I, as a facilitator, am sensing that people are starting to get, uh, this is going to take forever, sometimes I'll say, oh, you know what? In meetings, there's a common shape, and we're in the part of a meeting called a gro the groan zone. We just hit it. It's common. We're going to make our way out because, as a facilitator, we know that the shared sense-making and the consideration of many options during this stage is well worth the effort. Um, so we need to help the participants get through that. 
And I'll say that there are few more satisfying moments as a facilitator than when we finally find the breakthrough solution that kind of evaporates all those previously unsolvable conflicts. And we come out of that explore stage aligned on what's happening and why, and we're ready kind of to decide what to do about that. Then that brings us to the third kind of part of this common shape of a meeting, uh, which is where we are going to converge. And in this stage, we're going to make a decision about what to do. Now, with no facilitator, a group will usually decide in one of two ways. Either consensus, hey, everybody needs to agree, everybody needs to have a vote, it needs to be uh, kind of unanimous, or individual power. Well, who's the person with the individual power in the room here? We'll let them decide. And uh, neither of those are uh, usually the best way to decide. And so great facilitators at this stage will bring far more options to the group for how to make a good decision. You'll notice in the shape of the meeting, there is that final uphill climb here, since um, once we've sort of converged on shared understanding of what all this stuff means, there's still some work to do to get out <laughs> because uh, we don't want to end a meeting with kind of a fuzzy or a vague outcome. Uh, having shaped the meeting well, uh, this moves us into goal number three, which is we want really clear, concrete next actions coming out of the meeting. So the converge step is not really done until everyone's clear who will do what by when after the meeting. Uh, then and only then can the facilitator rest <laughs> a little bit. Um, so as the facilitator works through these first kind of meeting-related goals, um, they do so with um, so the people-related goals in mind. So these, these three goals can be described kind of linearly, where goal number one, we want to prepare and frame the meeting. Goal number two, we want to have an effective shape to the meeting. Goal three, we want to have clarity going out of the meeting of what's going to happen. But as I introduce the next three, it's not linear anymore um, because the next three are about human beings and human beings are nonlinear. <laughs> Once there are people involved, we have unpredictability, we have emergence, and we don't know when we'll need them. And so I'm just going to kind of move the meeting off to the right here a little bit and talk about these goals. So goal number four is about you as a facilitator. Um, and the way I've phrased this is that as a facilitator, um, I need to be aware and responsible. That's my goal for me, is that I'm aware and responsible. So let me uh, break down aware, break down responsible for you. So what am I aware of? My goal is to be aware of how I'm feeling right now. I want to be aware of uh, how my ego might be showing up in the decisions I'm considering. I want to be aware of what energy I'm bringing to the group right now. Uh, and is that the right energy for the group right now? Uh, I want to be aware of how all of those things are impacting the group right now. Uh, and so I think of this as awareness of my wake. And if you haven't heard that phrase before, uh, it comes from the idea that uh, if you've ever been out on the lake, there seems like there's always at least one person with the big fast boat. And they're just and uh, only looking ahead, rarely looking to the side. Uh, but if you actually look at that boat from the side, there are all the kayakers and the smaller boats and the, that boat's wake is just tossing them all over. In fact, I was just out with, uh, just out with some friends on Lake Saguaro, out just kayaking in the lake and, you know, kind of kayaking around 
And sure enough, here are these people on these big wakeboarding boats, intentionally creating big wakes, and they're going right parallel to us. Uh, and so as a kayaker, I'm thinking, oh boy, here it comes, here it comes. I got to get turned. So I'm facing into the wake so I don't get knocked over. Right. And, uh, so I want to be aware of my wake as a facilitator. What impact am I having on this group right now? So that's what we mean by aware. That's goal. Part of the goal is to be aware of my wake. And then goal number two is, is I want to be responsible. So what does responsible mean? Um, First, it means I'm clear on what it means to be a facilitator. What is a facilitator responsible for? I'm actually not responsible for the content that the participants contribute. I'm not responsible for what they decide. What I'm responsible to do is to make it easier for that group to reach a good outcome than they could otherwise make without me. That's my, that's my job. And this is how we decide, define facilitation. If you think of that word facilitation... Um, facile is at the root of it, which means easy. So the facilitator is trying to make it easier for the group to reach a good outcome than they could without the facilitator there. That's what I'm responsible for, but I'm not responsible for what they decide. So responsible, first of all, is to understand what is my role here and can I do that well? And then second is the ability to respond effectively, uh, like to choose how I respond. Um, I remember a, uh, uh, a retrospective I was conducting once where there was this participant who was kind of frustrated and over and over they kept making comments like, I don't even know why we have these meetings. This is never going to change. And uh, as a facilitator, I was getting a little annoyed. So A, awareness. <laughs> this guy is really annoying me right now. Uh, and uh, what, what is that causing me to do? And then saying, but I can choose how to respond to that. Right. And that'll bring us kind of into the second re related goal, uh, which is the goal for the participants. But before I, I want to finish up on this, I get to choose how to respond in the moment. So those are the two things um, on responsible. And then related to that person that was frustrated, uh, my goal number five here, second people related goal, is that each individual, each participant is engaged and connected. All right. So. What does it mean for each individual to be engaged? Well, I want them to be engaged with the content and in the content, um, for sure. And then I want them to be connected both to the purpose of the meeting as well as to each other. So how do I, as a facilitator, achieve that? How do I achieve this goal of keeping them engaged? Well, part of it is keeping my radar up. Um, for whether there might be um, psychological safety issues. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before where um, I was conducting a pretty large retrospective um, and one of the senior managers wanted to attend the retrospective. And I knew that senior manager and knew them to be a very well-intentioned person and a pretty effective leader. And uh, so as, as I walked into the room, I didn't want to assume that I was right about that, that, well, I experienced this leader as well-intentioned and an effective leader. I don't know how they impact other people in the room. And so I did uh, what's known as a safety check. Uh, a safety check is where you ask people to, on a little piece of paper, just annotate how safe they feel uh, on a scale of zero, one, two, or three, where three is I feel safe talking about anything. Zero is I don't feel safe talking about anything right now. Um, and everybody writes a number. And then you take, as a facilitator, take those anonymously and crumple them up 
and you read them out and throw them in the trash while somebody keeps a tally of it. And I remember doing this in this room and uh, there were several zeros and ones. And I thought, oh boy, <laughs> we are not safe here. We have a low level of safety. Now, what do I do about that? Because I know that I'm not going to have people engaged if the level of safety is low. And I know that people aren't going to feel connected to the purpose or each other if there's low safety. Uh, and so then uh, I handed out another slip of paper and I said, we don't want to guess who the people that wrote a zero and a one are. That's not our goal here. Um, but what I do want you to do is make a proposal for one thing we could change right now that might increase the level of safety for anybody who's not feeling very safe right now. So everybody has to write something down what might increase the level of safety. We did that. And there were four or five that said, ask so-and-so to leave the room, the senior manager. And so I said, all right, I've got all the, I've got all the responses. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. And on the break, I pulled the leader aside and said, hey, people are not feeling safe with you here. Um, I think you should leave. <laughs> I think we'll have a more effective meeting if you're not here. And the leader was pretty bummed out about that um, and just asked me to say, well, okay, Will you at least share with me why people didn't feel safe? And I said, I don't know if I can do that, but um, I will ask the group at the end of the retrospective, what do you want to share with so-and-so? Uh, and he said, all right, that's fine. So this is just an example of like, that's my goal. And so if there's low safety, what do I do about that? I want people to be engaged. I want them to be connected to each other and uh, to the purpose. All right, so that's goal number five. Each individual is engaged and connected. And then goal number six is about the group collectively. Um, my goal here is that the group has progress and flow. So while goals four and five are about individual participants and whoever the facilitator is, uh, goal six is about, as a facilitator, zooming out, engaging the current state and direction of the group collectively. Are we making progress towards the goal? Are we getting stuck on something? Um, are we in a group uh, state of flow right now? And in any meeting, we're obviously going to encounter unexpected things. And so goal six, keeping the group in progress and flow, is about pivoting our plan, uh, changing the energy we're bringing to the room, um, changing the activity we had planned next, or the approach that we're taking, or the way we're communicating. That was actually, uh, I, I wasn't sure how to follow up once there was low safety. And I wasn't sure what I would do if David said, no, <laughs> I'm staying in the room. Um, uh, I probably would have changed the entire approach to the retrospective in that moment. But the goal of the, uh, the facilitator, and really I think that this is the overarching goal, is no matter what my plan was, no matter how people are feeling right now, um, are we getting progress towards our goal? And are we flowing through things? Are we in a state of group flow? All right, so let me put all six up on the screen for a moment, uh, aka the screenshot slide. Uh, although these are recorded, so, and I will share the slides, but every time I do a presentation, somebody wants to <laughs> hang on. Can I take a picture of that? Um, so all six up here together. And as you look at these, I'm going to ask you a question in, in, the, in a moment in the chat about which of these is kind of uh, calling out to you <laughs> as, hmm, I might focus on that goal in my next meeting. So I'll give you a chance to look at them, and then I'm going to drop that question in the chat. Rich and I were talking about these goals earlier, and uh, I've gone through ORSC training, and Richard hasn't, right, Richard, yeah. And uh, uh, in ORSC, there's this, ORSC is Organization and Relationship Systems Coaching. Um, the 
premise of that coaching model is that you don't coach individuals, you coach the group as a collective thing. And it's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, and so, yeah, that, that idea of we as a, they call it a third entity. There's you, <laughs> there's you, and then there's this thing that is the collective you, right? Which is an interesting way to, to frame it. Good. All right, so we want to uh, take a few minutes here and um, walk through a couple of examples of this. Um, and we're not going to do this via slideware. Instead, we're going to talk through two examples of uh, uh, meetings where you might want to use these things. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do one that is pretty straightforward and then one that's a little bit harder. And we'll ask uh, anybody who's willing to contribute ideas around these to contribute them. So. Scenario one is uh, a weekly planning meeting. Now, if your team is using Scrum, you're welcome to think of a sprint planning meeting, uh, but uh, we want to make it as broadly applicable as possible. So imagine that you know, we're just having a planning meeting uh, and um, we're going to use the uh, three goals about the meeting, three goals about the people. Um, how might you frame a planning meeting if we go to goal number one, making it the, the why and the how clear? Uh, and uh, let's do this in the chat as well because we have a large group. But um, what would be the why, um, the why and the how of a weekly planning meeting? Got it. So how we can help each other. Good. So um, obviously this is going to depend on the context of a team. If the team is doing kind of complex work where they know that they're going to need to help each other out, new things are going to emerge during the week, there's going to be ongoing collaboration, the why of that meeting is probably figure out how we're going to get started and how we're going to call on each other for help during the week if we need it. Um, if we're doing fairly predictable, straightforward work where there's not a lot of complexity to it, there's not a lot of emergence, it's the why of that meeting is probably, hey, make sure that we're working on the most important things and that everybody has what they need in order to get started, and then we'll see you next week, right, if there's not going to be much emergence. The how is very different from that. The how is probably some very tactical thing, like we're going to take a look at the list of all the to-do stuff, and we're going to take a look at how much capacity we have, and then we're going to pull work in using some tool, right? Um, yeah, uh, the, the how is very tactical, and um, what I've found is most useful for facilitators related to this first goal of getting clear on the why and the how is it's very easy to restate the how as the why. Daily Scrum's a great example of, those, of this for people using Scrum, right? So the Daily Scrum has those three questions. Why do we have a daily scrum? It's so everybody can share what I did yesterday, what I'm going to do today, and any blockers or impediments. Well, that's the how. Why do we do that? But notice how easy it is to say, we're here to do the tactics. No, the tactics are not why we do it. So the daily scrum would be similar. We're here to plan how we're going to collaborate today. Yeah, that's super helpful. And um, even if I look at the three people-related goals... All three of those get easier if I did this job well. If I was really clear on the why and how, now I know um, what I'm responsible for. And more importantly, I know our, our people know how to engage. People know 
how to stay connected to each other and the purpose in achieving that. And then for sure with number six, where we're in, in uh, flow and we're making progress towards what? Um, for the meeting shape of a planning meeting, uh, pretty straightforward for a planning meeting because there is data like here are the people that will be working this week. Here is their capacity. Here is the work that's available for them to do. So that data is um, pretty straightforward. There is a reflective part of something like a planning meeting that uh, I found to be really useful uh, on the humanizing work team. When we start our week, we have a planning meeting. The first agenda item is team health check, where each one of us shares how we're feeling coming into the week um, and uses a little color-coded thing. And sometimes it's playful and sometimes it's... um, uh, people share things that are going on in their lives that are making it rough for them. And that is data that is really useful to go into the week with. And so when we think about the meeting shape for a planning meeting, there is some some pretty straightforward data around the work to do and who's available to do it. But I would encourage you to think about uh, data about the people themselves coming into that meeting as well. Uh, if you're familiar with the Art of Focus conversation, they kind of break down the first part the uh, divergent part into objective data and reflective data. Uh, And both of those are important. And it's really easy to overlook that when we're just doing the mechanics of we're planning a week. But having that first uh, kind of the the human check-in has made a huge difference for at least me as I've experienced those planning meetings. It feels like we are together as humans doing a thing now, not here's the work to do, how are we going to get it done? and that, that prepares us to figure out how to get the work done more effectively going forward. Next actions being clear and concrete is usually pretty straightforward on that one. So I want to dive into a more difficult example and take maybe five minutes on this one uh, before we get to some q and I was thinking about a different kind of meeting that I've been called on to facilitate uh, where there were a couple of people uh, in an organization that I was working with that had uh, had some real challenging conflict, like borderline, do we need to bring HR in on this kind of conflict, right? And um, thinking about how to use these six goals, even in a meeting like that. And so I'm going to pop the six goals back up here, just so we're all looking at the same thing. So coming into that kind of a meeting, getting clear on the why and how, and I'll just give you kind of an overview of how I, uh, how I approached it using these, these goals. Um, the first thing that I did even before I agreed to schedule a meeting was I had an individual call with each of those folks and asked, is this something that you like care enough to, to like uh, have a conversation about? Or are you done? <laughs> like, like, do you want to work on this? Do you want it to get better? Uh, and are, are you willing to do it? Because... Going into it, I didn't know if we had a shared outcome that both participants would agree on. Going into it, probably if you had asked each individual, what outcome do you want from this meeting? They both would have said, I want the other person to change. I want them to stop doing it or I want them to stop doing it. Right? Uh, and so I had to get aligned that um, alignment from both participants that uh, we're going to go into this to see if there is a shared goal. And we don't have to go into it knowing what that shared goal is, but trying to find a shared goal. And they both agreed to do that. And so when I started the meeting, I said, all right, 
we've had some differences. Uh, here's what we're aware of. We know that these things have happened. Uh, you probably both experienced those things differently. But what I want to focus on today is uh, what do we have in common? Do we have a shared goal? We may have very different ways of going about reaching it, but what is our shared goal? And we spent the entire first meeting primarily focused on what is our common goal? Uh, and that allowed us to get into the other more difficult parts of this. So thinking of that as uh getting clear on the why, and then the how was, if we if we can align on a shared goal, then we can see what can we do to help each other reach it. But if we don't have a shared goal, we can't. Like, there's no even a reason to have this conversation, I don't think. Um, then the meeting shape um, was asking each participant, essentially, to share um, what, uh, what they wanted from the other person in order to achieve the shared goal. Not what they wanted the other person to do differently or what you know what had gone wrong in the past, but what they needed from the other person in order to sh achieve that shared goal. And this was really interesting as we got into that. Um, that data being in the room that I need this from you in order to achieve that shared goal, and I'm, I don't seem to be getting it right now, uncovered a really deep um, difference of opinion on what success looked like. Like one person was defining it in one way and the other person was defining it in a completely different way. Uh, and so just saying, what do you need from the other person in order to achieve what we thought we agreed was the shared goal uh, uncovered that difference. And then that allowed us to figure out, oh, okay, uh, you think success is this, you think that success is that. What is the common denominator between those two things of success, those two definitions of success? And that shifted everything in the room as soon as we figured that out. Um, and so moving through kind of that shape, then we started to converge on, all right, since we have this shared goal and this is what you need, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? How are you going to do that? Um, and the last thing we said was, or we talked about was, if the other person notices you screwing up on what they committed to do, how do you want them to make you aware of it? And this, this uh, one person said, I want, I want them to wait until the meeting's over the conflict often came up in a team meeting that they were both part of. I want, I want you to wait for the meeting to be over and then talk to me about it. And the other person said the opposite. I said, if you notice me not meeting my commitment that I just made, call me out on it right then. Um, so really clear next actions was concrete, right? Now, I'll tell you that the hard, one of the hard challenges about this is on the human side of it. For me as a facilitator, I actually felt like one of those people was mostly in the right and the other one was mostly in the wrong going into it. I'm a human. I had already made my judgment. Oh, that person was totally in the wrong and how they were approaching this. I am on the side of person B, not person A in this, uh, in this debate. And so for me to be really aware that that was a risk for me in that, in that meeting was for that to come through. And so I had to practice compassion to say, I don't know what the other person's motivations are. Uh, I don't know what they are, but I'm going to go into this with kindness and compassion for whatever that is. Um, and that allowed me to facilitate more effectively um, and allowed me to, to focus on what does this person need to stay engaged and to stay connected and to keep us in progress. So I wanted to share that other example as kind of like a completely different way that these just thinking of these six goals has been really helpful to me as a facilitator. And with that, what questions do you have? Thanks for tuning in to this week's Humanizing Work Show. We don't rebroadcast the Q&A to keep things private for community members who attend, 
But if you want to participate live in future sessions, you can sign up at humanizingwork.com meetup. If you like the Humanizing Work show, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the show in your podcast app or on YouTube, leave a review and a comment, and of course, share links to specific episodes on your social media accounts. You can also send us questions you want us to answer or ideas for episodes to mailbag at humanizingwork.com, and you can subscribe to our newsletter in the footer of any page over on our website to get more free weekly content from us. See you next time. Mm -hmm.